The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Season's greetings and all of the other semi-appropriate things that we can say and skip today. Uh, happy holidays. Sounds good. Police Navy dads. Police no, Navy Don. Bush Restus. Sure. Happy festivus. Happy festivus for the rest of us. There you go. Well, uh, welcome back. And apologies to our listeners. Uh, we did miss last week for a couple of reasons. Um, we are into the holiday pause, uh, the trading moratorium, the uh, which uh, apparently is not something that one of the local sports radio stations knows about. Because as I was driving uh, to do my shopping yesterday or the day before, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there listening to the folks on the afternoon drive, uh, and I believe this was Friday, yes. whining that the Bruins should be practicing in this time between their game last night and their next game uh, after the break. And I'm like, yeah, the CBA sort of prohibits that. It, it, it dictates when you cannot practice. And, you know, the holiday break is a holiday break. No. Yeah. No. It, but all and the others, but the other sports play. I mean, basketball. The other sports do play. Basketball is playing. Football is playing. Um, oh wait, baseball is not playing um, unless it's down south of the equator or on the equator. But yeah, they're not playing baseball in the northern hemisphere, as far as I know. Uh, yeah, and and it's odd because. If you were to turn around and ask those same those same um, personnel on the drive time if they knew about the football agreements as to when they could or couldn't practice or what they would have to wear at practice, I'm willing to bet they would probably actually know that information. It, it's it seems to be sports specific. Nobody knows the collective bargaining agreement of the the NHL, but they're all aware of what the NFL players can and can't do, or whether they they can't practice on Mondays, they have to have a day off or Tuesdays or whatever. They can't come back until Thursday. They have to have a film day. They have to wear pads or can't wear pads or whatever the rules might be. And to be quite honest, I don't know the rules, but I do know that uh, NHL can't play on the holiday break. <laughs> you can't play, you can't practice, you can't have team meetings, you can't have team skates, no contact from the coaches. It's really quite bloody simple. Something something about the whole thing being like family oriented, I don't know, it could be crazy. What am I thinking? Uh like now, that's not to say that I don't wish there were more practices for the team. No, I I'm just, after what I saw last night, they could certainly use something. Um And, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen a whole lot recently due to my stint on IR. But it's it, what I saw last night was not encouraging. It it, it seemed 
lackluster. It's a lot of standing around. Uh, Montgomery talks about activating the D, but they didn't seem active at all in their own end, let alone going forward into the offensive zone. Uh, I will say this until I'm blue in the face. Sure. Which, with my skin tone, is going to take a lot of saying. The Bruins miss not only Milan Lucic for his emotional engagement, his physical vigor, his drive overall. Yeah. They miss Derek Forbert. They miss the two of those players way more than casual fans and people who flat out hate the two players or either player want to believe. And it's doing them damage. Like, I... I've been talking about the emotional engagement need for this team for weeks. It feels like months at this point, because I was talking about it even before they started losing. Okay. And that losing is now up to four games in a row. Um... And I just literally can't anymore. I am going to add one more name to that list, and I don't, you'll probably not agree with me because, well, it's rare. Um, but more more recently, I, I, the whole thing with – and it's not on the level of what physicality, luch, or – or forward bring, but it is physicality and he was emotionally invested, but I think losing, losing, losing Cliffy was bigger than they want to admit. I, they may not, they may not like it. I disagree. I think losing, you, these are emotional guys. These are guys who play with their hearts on their sleeves. They, they let their physical come through. You know, they don't keep it bottled up. If you go after Cliffy, he can hit you back. You go after Forboy, he'll hit you back. Luch, well, we know what he'll do because Mike Van Ryan's still picking glass out of his uni. Um, it, it's just you need those type of players, and I don't know that we have many of them right now on the active roster. No, we don't. I'm not saying, um, and I'm not saying every. I'm not saying every player has to carry that load. But every player has to be able to at least show some kind of – what's the word I'm looking for here? It's not it, – There it, 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 it has to be – I, I almost get a sense that they don't care. Like it's just a game. It's – like the best I've been able to describe it as emotional engagement um, – is calling it emotional commitment too much? You can't. You can't have. You can't have. And we talked about this last night during the game. You can't have the captain carrying the emotional bag. Baggage is not the word I wanted to use there. He's carrying doing all the, the emotional labor. The which, emotional load for the whole team. The, 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 you. Like, got to be players to pick up the slack. Yes, not and everybody. I'm not saying that guys are not doing their part because that's not as true as some people would want you to believe. 
What I'm saying, what I think you're saying is that for the best teams either of us have been on, there's knowledge sharing, there's that willingness to reach out because the person next to you is having a terrible day for whatever reason. Yeah. And you maybe all you do is pick up their stuff at the printer that day for them. And it makes them feel better and it makes them more effective at the rest of the stuff they're doing. Like little tiny gestures. Like every time I've heard a Bruins player mic'd up this season in game who was not Brad Marchand, their engagement with the rest of the team, their level of encouragement to the rest of the team, it didn't exist. That's a, that's not a – what I will – I mean, I guess the best thing that I can say about this team is there's a lot of guys who do who pull their own load. Okay. But there's nobody I, – I might be able to name three players who's carrying more than their own weight. And those three players are Brad Marchand and the two goalies. <laughs> well. Because yeah. literally, without the without both goalies, they'd have a they'd have a significantly losing record. Not just four losses in a row, they'd be underwater and out of the playoffs. I agree. And, and, and after watching after watching what they did to Omar, I, I mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen a goalie thrown under the bus in a while, but that was pretty close to it last night. Um, I can't. And yes, I am an Olmark fan. Yes, everybody, you know, you want to call me Homer, whatever, biased. Yeah, okay. Go watch the game and tell me if he wasn't thrown under the bus. The guy at one point had faced 25 shots to Boston's 12 or something like that. Yeah. And oh, wait. And then he stopped like three in a row at one point to keep the game two to one. Before, unfortunately, Marcus Polino was able to slip in the back door and nobody decided to move him out of the crease. He was able to tip in the third goal, which was ultimately the game winner. Which if somebody had, you know, I don't know, maybe moved him out of the crease or I don't know, maybe played some defense on the backside of the goaltender. um, Maybe it wouldn't have gone in. <laughs> I don't know. Was... You know, Charlie Coyle has played probably the best hockey of his career this year. Um, okay. Not all of what we're seeing is the player's fault because we knew two years ago, three years ago, before Charlie Coyle even got here, he was not a number one center. We knew he was not a number two center. True. I don't think we realized how good of a number three center he is, but that's what he is. Pavel Zaka is not a number one center. No. I don't think he's a number two center. No. And I do believe I do believe I we. I think he's. I think you can put him on your wing in the top six and have him that's, be successful. 
that's where I was going to go. I do believe when he was acquired, I was going to ask which wing he was going to which wing he was going to play on, first or second line. Um, but I don't remember him he, being a center in in New Jersey, but okay. <laughs> and as much as I think that uh, Patois has the potential to be a number two, a really good number two, like when I say really good. Out of 32 number two centers in the league, assuming every team has a true number two, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, when he hits his peak ability, physical and mental, yeah. he'll be somewhere, I think at worst, you're looking at something like 14 or 12, okay. 14, 12th, 14th best um, number two center in the league. And that's really good. Fair like, enough. Anyone who's anyone who's going to be unhappy with him hitting that level, put down the crack pipe and step away from the acid. I like Matt Pacha. I I would like to know, uh, and and it's certainly a discussion for another time. I would like to know what is going on between him and the head coach. I know that. While I was um, on the IR, it it came to my knowledge that uh, he had been benched in like the third period of one game, and it, it, I don't know if there's issues between the two. Uh, hopefully, there's not something going on like uh, the prior head coach and uh, young players. I don't think it's that serious, but I also believe that it would be impossible to hold. It would be ridiculous to for Montgomery not to be frustrated. And I mean, globally frustrated, not necessarily particularly frustrated with just a young player. Um, but because, what, I'm trying to figure, what frustrated him is what's trying to because he was involved in the decision to keep the young man. And at the time that they decided to keep him, he had five or six points in 10 games. I mean, he, okay. So he's a young 19 year old and he hit some kind of a wall. But I don't think it's it's very, very clearly not just his wall because everyone, like you look at the Bruins record across the three months of the season so far, they were 8-0-1 in October. They were like 7-4-something, 7-4-1, 7-4-2 in November. And they're 4-3-3 three three so far in December. You can't pin this on a 19-year-old. You just can't. Well, considering he's been sent off for the World Juniors anyway. so Which I think is a good move. It gets him out get of the more. funk that's in that locker room because you can't tell me it's not there. Oh, it's, and it per, allows it's permeating. To, it's permeating the locker room. You definitely, yeah. And it allows him to go play and be effective. Um, I I don't know where he's going to slot on his team, but uh, I I I can't wait to watch. Um, speaking of World Juniors, uh, the first games take place, as always, um, starting the day after Christmas, uh, Boxing Day for certain parts of the world. 
Um, Canada's first game is against Finland, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, uh, NHL Network and TSN. U.S.'s first game uh, against Norway, um, 11 a.m. Eastern on the 26th. Um, and the first, let's see, do U.S. and Canada play in the preliminaries? Mm-hmm. They do not. U.S. and Canada do not meet each other. They will not, I guess, meet each other until the uh, until the uh, quarterfinals or later, assuming they both make it. Uh, okay, that's that seems like a setup, but all right. Um, but back to the Bruins. Um, I don't know. I mean, like the simple almost answer to a change is just give me either Kachuk brother and it will make the team better, which it would except for what you'd have to give up to get them. And it's, and neither one of them is a center. Uh, we talked about centers a couple of weeks ago. Um, and there's something to the guys that we talked about. You wanted Lindholm. Um, I really, really, really like uh, Nazem Kadri. I think that even coming in and playing as the number two, uh, as like a number two center, it's going to improve the team a lot. Okay. Um, but whoever the Bruins add, it has to it has to be someone who moves the emotional needle as well as the pure skill. Pure skill isn't this club's Achilles heel. There's plenty of skilled dudes in on that roster, and there are guys playing above the level that I thought they could. Um, okay. I just I I'm I don't know uh, they need it, it, I don't know if just fixing the center position right now it, it seemed more of a and as we as you said earlier it seemed more of an engagement issue yes I think having an actual center in there is going to and again we talked about this last night an actual well actual center a decent center I, I don't know quite how to word it. But a top line. Jake DeBrust needs Jake DeBrust needs a center to bring out of him, and he's trying so hard to do everything. He's doing all of the stuff that's not scoring well. And if you're going to tell me you believe he's not, uh, I don't know what you're watching. If you're going to tell me that the only important part of the game is scoring. I will happily point you at teams who score a lot and never make it even to the first round, much less out of the first round. Um, I, uh, I, I, I agree. I just, I, I this is good. Right now, I mean, I, I don't want to start with the whole if if the season ended today stuff, but 
we always do that anyway. Yeah, you know, go for it. Whether they they make it in the playoffs, it, it, it's going to be another early exit because they're just not. Aside from the goaltending and whether Jim does anything differently this year from last year, right now the goaltending is basically holding your team together. Um, there are I mean, there are guys absolutely pulling their weight. Yes, Morgan Geeky. Morgan Geeky has is the literally the only guy signed in the offseason who played elsewhere last year who I think has shown me, shown us what the Bruins were looking for in him. Do I think that makes him a number one or a number two center? No. Nope. And I'll be the I'm the I'm the one who was most excited about him coming, and I'll tell you he's not a number one or a number two center. Do I think it makes him a net contributor? Yep. It's has it's nice gotten to, to the point where he's picking up other players and carrying them? Not yet. It's nice to be able to put him on a line with a John Beecher who and John is very good at faceoffs. I'm not saying he's fabulous, he's not in the sixty percent or anything like that, but John is very good at faceoffs. But you can especially have, for a rookie, you can have two centers on a fourth line who are both capable of playing wing as well. And John plays; he does play on on penalty kill. He does he, he and he's he's pretty good at it. And there's still room to improve. I'm not going to sit here and say he's the ne- the second coming, but. It, it, it's something that he's done since his days in Michigan. Uh, he's a he's a solid two way player and can improve. But to have him and Geeky on the same line to be able to inter intertwine them as far as you know whether John is better on the left side face off dot and Morgan's better on the right side face off dot or, or depending on who they're facing on the in the way you know you, you can make those adjustments right there. On the oh, line, it's it's uh, so he, he it, gives you he, Morgan also gives you a little bit of flexibility and you can put him on third line if you need to. Uh, I'm not saying yeah, I'm not saying he's a first second line guy. I, I never thought Morgan Geeky was that. But I think bringing him in was actually was a very good move by the Bruins. He's not really expensive and the flexibility he gives you and the effort that he gives you is coming through. So you won't hear me complaining about him unless he suddenly starts turning it around and just, uh. yeah, but last night's effort just seemed they did. The effort really wasn't there until, Oh wait, six minutes left in the game. They scored the second goal. And then all of a sudden it was a mad scramble. The first, the first period was not bad. I thought that they looked they looked like a professional hockey team. Oh, hey. Well, that's the second period. The second period was terrible. The first <laughs> 10, 12 minutes of the third period were terrible. Yes. Um, By the way, it's that it's that it's that 30. It's that 32, 34 minutes of hockey that where they yeah. were terrible. That's where AKA they lost the game. The majority of the game. That's where they lost the game. The other player who I think that they miss more than people are going to be willing to admit mm-hmm. 
Um, Taylor Hall. Well, we know what kind of effect he had on on a certain player on his line, but I think that his leadership, just his his, I mean, this is a guy who was an MVP. It's you can't it, discount that. I don't care what team you are, and I don't care how many other MVPs you have in the lineup. You can't discount the fact that this guy was a, a, a most valuable player, and he's been in locker rooms and he's got the experience. Listen to him. Not just listen to him, but watch him play the game. Yeah. You, you watch that dude. He was all the way back on a back check, all the way up on four check. He hit, took hits. He made smart passes Definitely faster than people give him credit for. Um, I would take him back on the Bruins in a skinny minute. Um, to be quite honest, the way the, the the way he spoke when he the fact that he wanted to actually play here, and wouldn't be surprised if he'd want to. Uh, he'd probably want to come back. I think he'd want to come back with a chance to win because he the poor guy has still never won a cup. Um, True. Right now, it's really difficult to say that this is a contending team. Well, it's a playoff team. That doesn't, again, like you said, that doesn't mean... Today, it's a playoff team. That doesn't mean contending. Four months from now, with the record that they've been putting up in the last month, (laughs) I'm not so sure of that. They really need to fix it. Um... Sticking to the topic of the Bruins, uh, but not necessarily the players, Jack Edwards has missed a couple of games, and this has apparently been in the works for a little bit. Um, We've all noticed that he's seemingly having issues either breathing or speaking clearly. I I thought it was a speech. I thought it was a speech thing. He was. And even worse, at one point I thought it was a I thought it was a, a a memory thing. I thought he struggled with he struggled with remembering certain details, and that's fine. There's a lot of stuff to remember when you're doing that sort of thing. I just I I don't know what the issue is. I don't want to speculate too deeply. Yeah. Um. He's nearing retirement age. Um. But it's it, like as a hockey fan, as a Boston Bruins fan, as a devout watcher of hockey, hearing watching Boston Bruins without Jack Jack's voice and the interplay that has developed over the decade and change with Andy Brickley, it's unnatural. Like, literally unnatural. Uh, The gentleman who's been calling the games the last couple of nights, he certainly does a good job. But there's a difference between a good job and the synergy that you see between and here between Jack and Brick. Um, Well, Jack and Brick have been uh, together for a while. It's developing that chemistry doesn't happen overnight. 
Uh, Alex Faust uh, is the or Faust. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. I believe it's Edwards Alex Faust. Edwards has been calling the games since uh, 20, uh, 2005. Yes. So they they they've got a they they they've got a cadence. Jack and Brick. They've got a they've got a root. They've got a cadence. They've got a. a oh. A melody. Uh, it, it, melody is a fantastic word because they absolutely set each other up for comments for uh, with questions. People hear Jack ask Andy Brickley questions and some of them somehow listen to him and think that he doesn't know the game or that he's dumb. No, no, no. He's legitimately putting a question on a tee uh, for for Brickley. And Brickley picks it up every time. And he's very, he's very, very knowledgeable in what he does. I, I, I think it's just good if, by any chance, it is Alex Faust who is, and like I said, he's he, he's around now. But for how long is Jack coming back? You know, these are questions that we don't have answers to. But if Alex is going to stick around. For any length of time, then there may you may see that camaraderie start to build as time. Um, it's not going to happen straight away. No, I think the other thing, the the feeling that I got last night is that Alex is well. Obviously, Alex is not Jack. We know that, but you get used to a certain uh, certain behavior. When you're listening to Jack, Jack will little. Jack little is things. very quippy. Yeah, and and, and Alex, consciousness. Alex was very straightforward. You know, he, he just called the game. He talked to he talked to Brick. He asked Brick question. The, he, he's not Alex isn't a homer, or at least I didn't get that impression. Well, don't forget that Alex used to be the um, he used to do play by play for the L.A. Kings. Oh, okay. Um, he's called games for uh, national games on TNT. He's done MLB for Apple TV and Fox Sports. Um, he was he was uh, actually suggested to replace Alex Trebek on on Jeopardy when uh, um, when Trebek was uh, transitioning out, shall we say? Um, he did go to he did go to Northeastern. Um, he graduated. I guess he went, and this is according to um, Wiki. But um, political science and economics. I think that some of it is just getting used to the town again. I mean, he grew up in Brooklyn, but he went to Northeastern, so it's not like he's unfamiliar with Boston or Boston fans. Um, he even called a few games for the Red Sox. Um, I don't, I mean, he's certainly competent. I think that I would like to see him relax a little bit more. Like, yeah, I get, yeah. He sounds, yeah. it's well, nervous isn't the right word. No, but I know what you're going for. It's here. almost mechanical. Um, I'm gonna. He's he's calling, he's calling the game on the local network 
for the hometown team. He as sounds if it's, clinical. Yes, as that's what I was about to say. He's calling the lo- he's calling the game on the local network for the hometown team as if it was a national broadcast where he has to be unbiased. Oh please, the national broadcasters are not unbiased. But he's I, not. There's okay. They're supposed to be, and to be quite honest, having li- having listened to him, I think that he's one who probably is, because yeah. he doesn't come across with any. So um, he's calling. I, he he's calling to. the local game where everybody's used to Jack uh, giving it to saying, the other team. <laughs> I don't think either one of us is saying that he needs to be Jack 2.0. No, no, I don't think that would be fair to him or Jack or or the listeners. Um, but this is a this is a sports market of people who live hockey. There are it's very unlikely that in any given home in New England where the Boston Bruins are on that there are only casual fans and that those casual fans don't have someone to explain to them anything they might miss if you're talking about hockey at something beyond a superficial level. Um, I think he can take the opportunity to immerse himself in, if, if he's going to be here long-term, in the players, in the market, um, but that's, I mean, that's, hopefully that's far in the future and Jack will come back and be able to be the Jack Edwards who we, who you and I have grown to love over the last 18 years. Um, I understand that some people don't like Jack Edwards and I blocked one of them the other day on Twitter because, well, he deserved it. Well, there you um, go. <laughs> Fair uh, I don't – it would be a shame if that's the way Jack's career ends. Um, but I don't think he'd regret it. He might – I mean, he'd hate it. But the thing, the thing that I did read said that he was scheduled for some time and, – and maybe it was a maybe it was a cover story, but it said that he was scheduled for some time off anyway. So, I mean, maybe it was the holiday break, uh, and and we're having this discussion for absolutely no reason. But whatever the case may be, yeah, I think that uh, Jack needs to get himself right. Well, something that I'd noticed in the last couple of weeks, um, coming into or previous to this year, when they do the, um the end of each period, the beginning of each period, interviews with the coach post-game or with a given player. It was Jack and Brick. And this year it's only been Brickley. Um, and I I think that's an acknowledgement of whatever impairment Jack has had. Um, so it would not surprise me if this had been long planned or at least, yeah, Okay. Um, that said, there is so much else going on uh, that we need to talk about. Um, not to be a downer, but I think we're going to jump straight into 
um, one of my predictions. Now, this is a story about a about something that occurred a little while ago. Um, so if you've heard the story, don't necessarily think that we're missing that fact. Um, but uh, not forever ago. Yes. Um, the Coyotes Valamaki uh, was left at the Dallas Hospital. Treatment uh, was far from immediate. In fact, they tried to send him home to a hotel uh, to sleep it off and come back in the morning. Um, the literally the staff told him to find a local hotel and come back in the morning. Um, this he had taken a shot, a slap shot at 93 miles an hour into the face, a hole in his mouth, internal bleeding, um, unable basically to function. And the doctor, since then, doctors have said that, you know, he could have asphyxiated on his own blood. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, so let's jump back to, oh gosh, uh, two and a half years ago. We were talking about a certain Buffalo player with a neck injury um, who was holding out for surgery. The team wanted him to have the surgery, wanted him to just do PT and recover. He insisted and eventually got the the surgery and has since won a Stanley Cup. The fusion, yeah, they inserted the disc into his neck or whatever it was and the fusion and all that stuff that they were concerned with. Yes, I remember that. Do you remember the prediction I made during that time? No, unless it was that this is going to happen again or it's going to come back to bite him in the... Nope. I predicted back then that a big topic of the next CBA was going to be players' control of their health care. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that, actually. And I think that this is one of those things that's going to get brought up because you can't tell me there's only one hospital in Dallas. Dallas is a very big city. Wait, wait, wait. I I missed this when I read this article. They went, So they took him to the hospital. He dropped off in the emergency room left to advocate for his own care with his wife and the Coyotes team employee. After initial observation, the hospital staff told him to find a local hotel and come back in the morning? Yes. That their attention was turned more to to more critical incoming trauma patients such as gunshot victims. Okay, that that actually says a lot about Dallas, too, but all right. But Okay, the, the other patients are important. They really are. This guy's face is broken. He got hit 93 miles an hour. And and he's already there. Yes, and he's already there. Um, If you can't treat him, transport him to another hospital. Now, if I were... If I were the NHLPA, I would insist that the teams start traveling with either a nurse practitioner... Or a um, physician's assistant uh, that's someone a little more on the doctor 
path of medicine than the nursing path. Okay. Um, and that that person be in charge of interfacing with the staff and but the I family. Teams, I thought teams and, had medical doctors on staff. And that the uh, that the team in whose arena an injury occurs that requires hospitalization or hospital care be required to communicate the details of the injury directly to the hospital, um, either in voice recording or writing or whatever tool is necessary, because the Dallas hospital did not have uh, the information on what happened to Belmaki. Had they had it, they probably would not have made the the recommendation that he go find a nice hotel bed to bleed to death in. Um, so my, like, if I were the NHLPA negotiators and the players, my insistence would be that sort of medical attendee traveling with the team or maybe it's someone they have on contract from a traveling nurses nurses organization um, for each town. You know, there's you go to the 32 cities, someone meets the team at the hotel or at the airport, and they stay with the team until the team gets back on the plane, barring whatever players get, uh, should any players get an injury. It's their job. They're on call the entire time. They're at the games. They're at practices, and the players, uh, the players know who the person is. And the medical thing has to be in the next CBA. Like this is, this is something I. The players should be in charge of their own health care. They're all bleeding adults. Um, and I think that this is one of those things that's that should can and should be used in this case. Every arena is required. Well, the, 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 I mean, it says most NHL teams do not travel with their own physicians. Road teams typically rely upon a home team's doctors for care. Every arena is required to have two trained physicians within 50 feet of the benches at all times, in addition to a dentist and or oral surgeon in the arena. Upon exiting the ice, Valamaki was immediately greeted by a Dallas Fire and Rescue EMS team, as seen in the game video. He was examined by STARS doctors and placed into the ambulance and taken to the hospital. At that point, Valamaki is in the medical care of the hospital and technically no longer in the care of the STARS. Because the game was ongoing, the STARS doctors were required to remain on site in case of future injury but it remains unclear whether the STARS medical team called to prepare the hospital for Valimaki's arrival, which is the problem right there, the communication. Yep. And that's... Advocated on his behalf or stopped by the hospital after the game to ensure proper treatment was being exec- executed. Technically, none of those things is believed to be required by the protocol and thus no alleged violation. The STARS say they are participating in the league's investigation. I agree. They need... And yes, you did say something like this. This doesn't indicate. This article doesn't indicate that there's going to be any change to the 
or that they're even looking into it. I mean, it does say we can confirm the NHL and NHLPA are jointly investigating this matter, but it doesn't say anything about, hey, we're going to put this in the next CBA because uh, this is, these medical issues are becoming more and more prevalent. I mean, this guy sat in the friggin' waiting room for an hour with no painkillers, no anything, before his wife before his wife contacted the NHLPA and then another hour before he was I want to get the timeline right she and, called she know, called the NHLPA at like 11 o'clock after and kudos to VV but uh, Vilma Valmaki um, but here's the thing the NHL, the NHL Players Association is made up of guys from all over the world. Mm-hmm. U.S., Canada, 12-plus European countries. We're eventually, we're going to start seeing uh, more players from more parts of the world. Not all of them speak English or speak English clearly, very clearly. Some of their spouses, assuming they have one, or significant others probably don't speak it even as clearly as the players do. If she weren't able to communicate, what might have happened? This, like, I, I literally can't think of a thing more important for the players, I, short, medium, and long term, than getting control of their health care. Uh, from from the owners. Just can't believe that, that, that. I mean, this guy had lost three teeth, broken bones, 55 stitches in his mouth to repair it. Didn't actually have the surgery to realign his mouth and his teeth until the following morning. It is. It, it, it's mind blowing to think that he walked in or whether he walked or not he went into the ER and was told to go sleep it off in a hotel come on you gotta be kidding me it's your job in the hospital to take care of patients who present to you with obvious issues I mean the guy's bleeding clearly he's got a hole in his face get hit with a puck to the face you can't just send them to a hotel room that's that right there is problem number one and the the fact that there's no communication between the stadium or the arena excuse me and the hospital so that they expect that this guy is coming if they put him in an ambulance why wasn't information passed along from the EMTs to the doctors who are in the room or, or ER doctors who are, are helping patients. Someone like along the line there was a needs breakdown. To be better to find. Yes. At minimum, and the owners should do it yesterday in order to not be held responsible when something goes wrong. Drastically. And now that we're irritated all over the place again, (laughs) 
let's move on to something more interesting and less shouty. Less shouty, okay. Um, Cassie Campbell. Most of you know her from her time as a player um, and or her time behind the Sportsnet uh, broadcasts, uh, behind the broadcast desk. Um, she's a former Olympian. She's uh, she's been she spent 18 years uh, in commentary and things like that. Uh, you know, she's worked with David Amber. Um she has stepped away from Sportsnet to be an advisor to the new women's hockey league. Uh, the professional women's hockey league, uh, kicks off its season in just a couple of days, uh, right after the world junior, uh, tournament kicks off actually. Right after um, they, right after they give have. team names. Oh wait, oh, that's slipped up. Why would they have team names? Uh, I don't know. It's probably a good idea, so you can identify the the team. No. Um, I've given up. I, okay. I, I I've just given up. Um, I really, I really, really hope the product is good because I have, but I have been no, I have been given no reason to expect the execution of the league to be. Do we know? Okay, back on back on to the back on to Cassie Campbell. Do we know what her role is going to be with the no. PWHL? No. Maybe it's, uh, it's literally right. she's listed as an advisor. Okay, maybe she's going to name the franchises. Uh, that would be awesome. I seem to be stuck on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> It just if you're going to identify the product, have a name for it. <laughs> I'm no, I'm thoroughly glad for her. I've seen her on Hockey Night. And, I mean, she's. I know that they also did a nice little. They also did a nice tribute video that that was on 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 X. But she is very well spoken. She's very well informed. She's. Like I, she's I not she's not at all a distraction or any kind of detraction from the present from the presentation. She's fabulous. She's uh, the real deal. Yes. Um, and I wish that you know the Lowell the Boston ish team had a franchise name. I wish that the Toronto team had a franchise name. I wish that they had logos that looked like someone had put some thought and effort into them because a W made up of two hockey sticks and a puck and two additional lines. Well, that's the league's logo. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's. I. As a league, there are two things that you have control over at almost all times. Your marketing, a.k.a. how you present yourself, and it's not just the logos and the T-shirts and the advertising. And 
if you're not doing that, you're not driving revenue. I don't know how you can drive revenue if you don't have, like, a name. Like, I, you need part of marketing because most, most purchasing decisions are emotional, not rational, is creating an emotional attachment and potential consumers. Boston's home opener. Yep, January 3rd. There you go. I'm, I'm just looking at the PWHL website, and I am thrilled by the the sweaters that the women are wearing as far as – and it's basically like letters from right to left diagonally down the jersey because they don't have logos. But you can't have a logo if you don't have a team name. Just saying. I, I I know we're stuck on this, and I apologize for it. It's just it. this is something that should have been hammered out by now. You're starting your hockey games in a week. You're still bringing in big-name personalities like Cassie Campbell, who is going to help the league, depending upon what she is actually like, asked to do. Her but title still is have, special advisor to the PWHL. But you still have no idea what your teams are named. I'm sorry. And on her... On the PWHL's um, press release on their website, even they don't tell you what she's going to be doing. Oh. Uh, I'm. Wow, that's a problem. Like, there's Jaina Heppard. She's the SVP of Hockey Operations. There's Amy Schreer, SVP of Business Operations. Annie Kamens, uh, VP of Hockey Operations. Um, Chris Burkett, VP of League Operations and Compliance. Jim Pfeiffer, VP of Commercial Operations. Kanan Bahat Shah, VP of Brand. Uh, how do you have VP of Brand and not actually have a brand yet um there's player experience branded marketing people there's um director of game operations and fan experience there's directors of there's a director of partnerships um there's a director of ticketing and community and human resources digital and social um There's a bunch of consultants, a medical officer. I'm glad to see that. There's a PR consultant. Um, yeah, uh, you have a PR consultant and a, a VP of brand, and yet you don't have team names. Well, they either they, you're not listening to these people. Or they're not good at their jobs. I can't tell from the outside. But that is something that someone needs to figure the bleep out. They have, they, they, 
they're redefining women's hockey and sports fandom through a new partnership with female-founded apparel company Line Change to bring fashion-forward looks to PWHL hockey fans in time for puck drop on the inaugural season. The debut apparel collection will be available through the online shop launching December 15th. Again, if you're launching apparel, you need something to market. I'm looking I'm looking at the gear on their website. Okay. I It was started by Angela Price and Julie Petri. The gear certainly exists. And that's fine. I'm not against them having put all the gear you want out there, but again, how do you identify it? Except that, oh, look, we're selling this lovely sweater for $15. It's green and white, which means it's Boston colors. It, 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 there's nothing you can put on there as far as this is the Boston schmucks or this is the the Toronto carryovers or something. You know, it, there's identity, identity is everything. And right now, they still don't have an identity. So how do you market a team that doesn't have any kind of identity? They have rosters. They have colors. They have people. They have upper management. They have a, a place to play hockey. But you still can't identify them. I look around and I see a newspaper, even if I'm sitting in an airport in <sighs> – Medicine Hat, Alberta, or something. I pick up a paper and I see those. I see a spoke B. It's the Boston Bruins. I see a spoke P. It's the Providence Bruins. I see a spoke K. It's the Kingston Frontenacs. I mean, it. it it's identity. Every, and I can't do that with the PWHL franchises because they don't have any. Any company that starts off. And I've started one company in the past. I'm in the process of starting a second company for myself. One of the first things you have to do, create a brand, give something for people to focus their attention on. Otherwise, you don't have anything. And I'm sorry to turn... If you can't move people emotionally, you can't collect their money. Well, there's that too. I'm sorry to turn congratulations to Cassie Campbell into a rant about the league she's like, going to work for, but hopefully she can do something to affect that change. And one more time, just so it's clear, congratulations to Cassie Campbell. Yes. I hope you have a enormous impact. You enjoy uh, your time with the PWHL. You get well, she, to accomplish well, did, whatever it is that you're looking to do going there. She and did say that getting really is successful. I really want to 12 yeah. years from now be talking about, oh, my God, this league is only 13 years old and there are already 20 teams in it. Like I can barely that would keep be, track. That would That's be impressive. 13, 13 years and 20 teams. That would be impressive. I don't even I don't even know if you could say the NHL grew that quickly. No, like that would be adding 16 teams in the next 13 years. Yeah. I would love to see That's it. That's heavy like, duty. I literally would love to see it happen. 
I would be standing out for the league as hard as anyone to see it happen. I agree. And Cassie even says that, you know, the opportunity to come back and have an impact on the game of women's hockey was something she could not say no to. It was the, the opportunity was too great. So I really hope she can come back and affect that change. And congratulations to her. She will be missed on hockey night in Canada. Uh, I really think it all starts with what we've been complaining about, though. And, and this is not a new thing. We've been talking about this for six months. Uh, at least. Possibly since they decided to uh, massacre the the, P, the PHF. Yeah, not, we're not getting back into that one. So, uh, last show, we did our will he or won't he. And that was, at the time, uh, Connor McDavid was eighth in scoring in the league. Um, and we asked, will he or won't he climb into the top three scorers in the NHL before January 1st, 2024? It is December 24th. Uh, we are at the first day of the of the holiday uh, break and moratorium on all things work Mm -hmm. uh, for the players and the team uh, and the teams. And he is currently in fifth in scoring for the league. Um, Mm. He, uh, he is one point behind William Nylander, four points behind JT Miller. Um, 10 points behind Nathan McKinnon and 13 points behind Nikita Kucherov. And man, has that top three changed in the last three weeks or in the last two weeks or so, because at the time it was Kucherov, Miller, uh, Kucherov, Pasternak and Miller. Um, I noticed the lack of Pasternak being... Well, it's not surprising given what we how we opened the show. Oh yeah, good point. But uh, so the question was, would he be in top three before January first? Well, he hasn't got the Jan- we haven't got the January first yet, but he has gone from eighth to fifth. So were you talking points or were you talking goals scored or were you? Talking- oh, we're talking points. Um, yeah, I know. And schedule-wise, uh, let's see. They have a game on December 28th against the San Jose Sharks, so he could easily rack up seven or eight points against them. Oh, oh sure. I, um, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. It's, that's not fair. The Sharks have been better lately. Not a lot better, but better. <laughs> um, then they play the LA Kings on the 30th. And then they're in, uh, then they're in, and then they're up against Anaheim on the thirty first. I, I don't know if we can make the jump. LA is going to be a tough game. Three games in three night in four nights. Um. Yeah. 
I, I, and L.A. is not an easy walk. And I mean, yeah, okay, you want to go into San Jose and say you're going to have a three-point night, four-point night? It's possible. Yep. I don't know if you're going to walk into L.A. and do that, though. And Anaheim is good enough to... Anaheim, Anaheim is the puck pretty well. Um, and as long as they have it, you're in decent shape. But their defense is not great. The votes, uh, 61.1% of the vote said yes. 38.9% said no. Um, I'm going to have to say no. I don't think he's going to make the jump. I have not seen him play. I don't know. I don't know if he's uh, looks like last year. I, I, honestly, no, I don't think he's going to do it. I think the fact that he jumped from eighth to fifth is one thing. I think that's partly to do with the fact that obviously pasta has fallen off. So it's, it's less to do with moving up than it is with others moving down. Uh, I think that where he is now is probably about where he's going to be at the beginning of the new year. Right around fifth. That's not to say January 25th, he's not going to be at the top of the league scoring where many people would say he belongs. But I don't think he can make finish that climb uh, before. Yeah. Before the end of the year. Um, we'll have a new will he or won't he in, for the next week. Uh, any ideas on that right now? Uh, off the top of my head, no. You give me a <laughs> give, me, give me a bit to think about it, and I'll come up with something, or maybe I sure. won't. Um, um, so just a couple of days back, mm-hmm. Roberto Luongo, uh, Roberto Luongo, aka Bobby Lou, and uh, was honored by the Vancouver Canucks. And put into their ring of honor. Um, They have six names or six jerseys retired. Six numbers that will never be worn again by the Vancouver Canucks officially. Bobby wasn't at it. Are they pumping his time? Um, So are they pumping his tires or not? That's... That's the question. I mean, yes, having your having your name honored by a team is a thing. It's a real thing. Uh, other teams are certainly having a two-tiered recognition. Um, is this? I actually don't have, and and and, and I don't. I won't take this too deep off. I actually don't have a problem with the two-tiered recognition because, unfortunately, there are teams like the Boston teams, which have been around forever, whether it's the Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, whatever, that have a lot of numbers retired. And at some point, yeah, if you keep retiring numbers and you're not allowed to wear triple-digit numbers and you're not allowed to – you're yeah, going to limit yourself out. to – Yes. I get it. And so having – Having a having a ring of honor where you can throw somebody's name up there 
but not necessarily be a player the caliber of Bobby Lou, who I believe should have his number up there. So that's my question. Was he snubbed in not having his number retired? Maybe they just haven't decided on it yet. So what, in five more years, they're going to say, hey, yeah, we we, we sort of uh, changed our mind. We're going to elevate you. We're going to do we're going to do another ceremony. You got promoted. Yeah, you, you've been promoted from uh, under boss to boss. You've been under promote. You've been you've been promoted from Ring of Honor to retire to number retirement. I, I I I think that they should have retired his number. Uh, it, I do too. As much this as, is not as, a franchise as much as it was steeped in many many wins or Hall of Famers, league records or Stanley Cup championships. Saying that you have so many players who deserve honoring that you can't risk giving up a his number. Absolute horse crap. And and that's my precise technical uh, diagnosis as someone who has been deeply versed in marketing and sales for their entire adult life. So, said, I mean... Well, they they have the, but they have the officials and the unofficials and and a lot of teams have that. I mean, it, it's not just. I mean, number thirty seven's not officially retired, but do you honestly believe that anybody else is going to wear number thirty seven in Boston before they put it up in the rafters? And thirty seven no. is not getting worn again. Thirty three is not getting worn again. That's my point. Thirty three hasn't been worn since Tim Tom. I mean. That's the point I'm trying to make. It's not but, just a Vancouver thing. Other teams no, have no, no. unofficials. The unofficials there are, are not there for a good reason, usually. Um, I mean, we can talk about the people who got angry about 66 being worn in a franchise where the dude never played. <laughs> and where Super Mario had absolutely no issues with the number being worn. Um, so... I think Bobby Lou's number should have gone up. I think this is a genuine snub. Um, I think really? You think they actually like? You think this was like a? a they, it, this was an actual like they refused to put like no. You know what? Whether they intentionally—that's the word I'm looking for. Intentional slighted him, or whether they genuinely don't feel that he's worthy of being there. When you look at the history of the Vancouver Canucks, I. I I think the idea that he's not among the very best players to have ever played for the franchise is is generally something that you flush or shovel out of the stable. Okay. Um, that said, yeah. As we wander, as we charge merrily off to- off topic. Boston Bruins are going to are announcing a Ring of Honor. They're going to present. They're going to put these up starting the first game of next season. Who are the first three players you add to a Ring of Honor? Yep. Where you've already retired like all of the greats. I mean, because you can't. Is your the problem with Boston is that 
you can't start no, no. a Ring of Honor with num- with number retirements because you'd have to start with Ray Bork, Bobby Orr. And no, no, no. You, you you still have the numbers retired, but the players who's who are who are part of the franchise lore and history, but who are not retired and are probably not retireable. Who are the first three players you into, insert into a Boston Ring of Honor? I mean, the the top the, the the top three names on the team are a franchise of all time is going to be Bobby Orr, Ray Bork. Yes, I get that part. These are players but, that, if the Ring of Honor is a second tier, a lower tier, then you'd have to have guys like I don't know Derek Sanderson. It, it, since his number isn't retired, you'd have to have Tim Thomas. Uh since his number isn't retired, then you could still have Patrice Bergeron. Uh, Bergeron is going to be retired, but my yes. three are my three are PJ Axelson, Derek Sanderson, and honestly, I know some people are going to hate it. I'm putting Sean Thornton there. Interesting. And it's not because I hate it or love it. Just interesting. Because, no, he probably wouldn't. I'd have Sanderson as well. <sighs> I'd have Sanderson. I'd have... Uh, are, you say, are you trying to tell me then that Tim Thomas's number is going to be retired? Because if not, then he's going to be up there. Okay, if I, if I were in charge of the team, his number would be retired. I would do a triple retirement for the three guys... It should be retired for. Okay. And it would be one enormous ceremony with either their with either their themselves or their designee, um, you know, heir or something like that. There's just so many others. I mean, I'd stick Andy Moog up there. Andy Moog is a good one. Uh, another guy who I think should go up there. Andy Moog is Boston. Favorite goaltenders of all time. I loved Andy Moog. Um, no, it wasn't Bill Ranford. It was <sighs> Billy Ranford played for the Bruins, but won all of his cups with Edmonton. Not him. Uh, Byron Defoe. I would put Byron Defoe up there. Really? Yeah. I, Lord Byron was was my guy for for a while. Interesting. But I think another guy who almost certainly should go up there. Here's, here's one for you. Does Joe Thornton get to go up there? I don't know. Like it, See, like, I love Joe, me, but I don't think so. I don't think he was here enough. I don't think to, so either. But I, I think it's mostly because his fame didn't really emerge until after he left Boston. Or the season he left Boston. Because I, I thought, you know, my my favorite Bruin, and I probably couldn't put him up there either. But, you know, my favorite Bruin being Sergei Samsonov. I don't think he gets to go up there either. And I love me some Sergei. Um, but, I mean, some of the reasons that you're putting um, names up there are for off-ice contribu- contributions as well. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe you get a couple of guys 
whose off ice stuff was that was that big. And I think that one of the one of the personalities who should be up there as far as defining a role is probably Ken Lindsman. The rat. The original rat, by the way. Um Yes, Kenny Winsman. He was also um, sort. Of, he, he, I don't think they ever called him the little ball of hate, but he was the player who you everybody loved to hate. He was the rat. He was he was the instigator before he he, he superseded Brad. It, it, it almost paved the way. <laughs> like I, I think that's the the. He was certainly never a superstar, although I think that... No, but he was beloved by Bruins fans everywhere. But you look at his career numbers, they're not bad. No. He played 860 NHL games. He finished with 807 points. Managed to turn a Bobby Lou celebration into what would we do for the Bruins. Impressive. I I know. Um, (laughs) But, like, I think... I genuinely love the the two tiered honoring system because I think it's one of those ways that you can it, it, well it definitely create allows community for, and discussion. That's what I was just about to say. It definitely opens up a discussion as to who belongs. That's what we've been doing and right now. Quite frankly, it's it's great marketing. It also it, it it gives the team a chance to honor like I, in 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 the case of Bobby Lou. They should have retired his number, but to have a ring of honor, it gives the it gives the franchise an opportunity to honor players who, okay, maybe they weren't Patrice Bergeron, you know, maybe they weren't Ray, Ray Bork, you know, but they their contribution was such that we need to honor them in a more permanent way, like a PJ Axelson. Yes, I mean, he started the PJs, PJs, which Patrice Bergeron took over, a community engagement thing. He was one of the best penalty killers the league has ever seen. Um, But he wasn't a superstar. If you watched him and you understood hockey, you appreciated him, you loved him even. But he was never a superstar. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with the fact that Vancouver's honoring him. I think that they should have gone straight for the number retirement in this particular situation. Just totally to, fair. Just to bring it all uh, back and tie a neat little bow. Uh, we do have two more quickies on here. Um, the Red Wings are have been involved in trade rumors and talks with apparently every team in the whole league. Um, really? Jonathan uh, Bergeron is one of the uh, is one of the players whose name his has name, popped up. His name um, has been slapped around since before I went on IR. They sent him down. They called him up. They sent him down again. I think they've been trying to showcase him, um, or maybe just decide whether they can move someone else out and put him in. Um, <laughs> I think with I think with David Perron being a complete um well chucklehead bucket head, yeah. Um 
six game suspension. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that they're looking six for. He did get a six game suspension, did he not? Yep, and Bettman upheld it, and it was probably the easiest penalty or easiest appeal uh, denial in the league history. Really? Go back and watch the footage. It's <laughs> they can't really yeah. do any, they can't really do anything. I mean, I suppose the Red Wings. If I had to, ask, if I were to ask them, I suppose they'd probably like to. They probably want to get a little bit better goaltending, uh, or at least have somebody emerge as, as like a number one. Billy Huso and Alex Lyon, and I've been talking about Alex Lyon since back when he was with the Flyers. So everybody who fell in love with him when he was uh, backing up Gibson in Anaheim or backing up Bobrovsky in Florida last year, yeah, you're all late to the party. This guy's been doing it since he was with Philly, but they had some savior named Carter Hart that, mm, whatever. Uh, Alex Lyon can can actually mind the net. Um, honestly, I think they're... They, they've got the scoring, but I think they need the consistency, and I think they're looking for somebody who can in some way foster that. They're not necessarily looking for a top-tier put-the-puck-in-the-net guy, and, and I know they got Patrick Kane, who is capable of doing that anyway. I think they need to be able to hold leads and stop. When they actually fall behind... It, they can't. They don't have the ability to come back. It's something that they say in football all the time. You know, something they say in football all the time. This game doesn't have. This team doesn't have the the. They're not built to come back from a, when they're losing. And I think Detroit's kind of the same way. They're a good team, but I don't think they're built to come back if they're falling behind. And I think that that's what they need. So if they can trade a Bergeron. For somebody who's a little bit more consistent, that's what they need to do. So I'm not surprised that they're shopping them around. Eisenman's not done with this plan anyway, but the fact that they're in a playoff spot and the fact that they're playing as well as they are shows that his plan is working. Um, Rob Couch of the... Uh, of NHL trade rumors um, believes that Patrick Kane is already likely to be traded at some point. Really? Um, it's it's mostly because of the team's decline as a whole, not because of his performance. Um, I can see that. Be quite frankly, I expected that if he came back and played well, that he would go from Detroit to whichever contender wanted to add it. Um, because Patrick King is 35, he didn't struggle through that injury recovery, have a surgery, and come back to be. At 35 and change, a point-per-game player after a major surgery that has ended other players' careers, 
just to sit around and go home early. Um, and he has been. Five goals, so five assists in ten games okay. after a surgery that everyone questioned whether he could even play again, much less play at a higher level. Interesting. So they have fallen out of a playoff spot. I, again, they're three been points on, out of a playoff spot today. Having been an I on IR, I I have fallen off the pace myself, so I mean Michael Hutchinson's one game their goaltending has been, yeah, uh ungood. That's what I said. Uh, Alex Lyon looked good in the seven games he's played. He's got a nine thirty two save percentage. Uh-huh. Uh, James Reimer has an 897 in his 11 games. You. Billy Huso has an 893 in his 18 games. That's the and one I don't understand. Uh, I have to. You have to ask yourself, what does the defense look like in front of him? Are they communicating clearly? Well, there's clearly something up if you can have an 897, an 890, whatever, and then Alex Lyon has a 932. What are they doing differently when he's on the ice? Beside the I, fact that he's stopping more pucks, obviously. But I, I think some of it's communication. I mean, you've got your you've got Shane Gostas Bear with 25 points in 33 games. Maurice Sider with 22 points in. 53 in uh, 34 games. Um, your next, uh, in terms of point production, you've got Jake Wellman, uh, Jeff Petrie, Ben Sherratt, um, Olimata has played 27 games. Uh, Justin Hall has played 24 games. Um, not a lot to... There's not a lot going on. I mean, the top of your defense is doing what you want. Gostas Bear is producing points, which is, you know, kind of what he, kind of his bag. Maurice Sider on a team that's treading they're not, water. They're not moving Maurice Sider, but okay. Um, is He's producing points. He's even on plus minus which is an accomplishment on this roster, um, particularly given the number of minutes he's playing. Um, I think that the team in some ways just needs a difference maker, both in net and one more added to the skaters. I think they've got a difference maker in net. They're just not using them. Who? I'm sorry, but 932 save percentage in seven games, I understand that it's not. Yes, of course he is. Makes sense. Why wouldn't he be on the ice if he was, if he wasn't injured? Of course he's injured. I should have known that. But he's, but like, it's not, it can't be just that. Like. There's a reason that he's got the numbers he's got, though. Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, I need I don't know. I don't know all of their problems, but 
clearly some of the problem is the other goaltenders need to learn the tendencies of the defense in front of them. The defense needs to learn the tendencies of the other goaltenders. And whoever's coaching the defense, whoever's coaching the goaltenders needs to make it happen because it's what's best for the team and all of those players. Like, this doesn't look good for Shane Gostas-Bear. It doesn't look good for Justin Hall. It doesn't look good. I mean, Murray Sider is not necessarily unimpeachable, but he's he's going to be the last guy faulted for, by anyone saying, for the team's fortunes. Probably. Yeah, I would agree with that. Is there anything we didn't cover this week? Have we got, have we hit everything? Oh, we did miss one story. Uh Uh-oh. And it's the fun story. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a good way to end, it's a good way to end the show, actually, so. After all the shouty stuff at the beginning of the show, Joey O'Brien. Joey O'Brien? Who's Joey yep. O'Brien? Yeah. He went from working at Ob Clark's in Brentwood to backing up for the Yield Dallas Stars. Ob Clark's, and so his name is Ob. Is that like his place? I believe it's his family restaurant. Okay. And he's from St. Louis, so Brentwood must be like a St. Louis something or other suburb or something. I don't know. Because Obi Clark's in Brentwood, but he's from St. Louis or Brentwood or whatever. So this Joey O'Brien is now the e-bug, or has been the e-bug, for the Dallas Stars, which is kind of – I. How did you, I mean, you've been in St. Louis. Has he been, was he the emergency goaltender for the St. Louis Blues as well? Um, I believe so. Um, that's usually what the e-bug does. Um, and I find the, I find the acronym hilarious personally. Well, it's just easier than saying emergency backup goaltender every five seconds. Uh, but he actually, he was actually been sort of promoted, I guess, is what this is all about, because Jake Ottinger went out with an injury. And due to contract and salary cap complications and the fact that the stars were on a back to back, they wouldn't be able to get another goaltender in for the Saturday game. So they they signed O'Brien to an amateur tryout agreement where he probably gets paid like five hundred or a thousand bucks. Correct. And it's take warm ups with the team, sit on the bench, and act as the backup to Scott Wedgwood against his hometown team, the Blues. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know aside from. The guy in aside from the guy with the with the hurricanes, and I I sadly don't remember his name. Again, and that was against his hometown team in Toronto, was it not? Something to that effect. Oh, the Zamboni driver. The Zamboni driver, yeah. I mean, 
you got to love feel good stories like this. Good for him. I mean, he's been from what I remember when I read this story, he's been doing this for a few years now where he's been out on the ice warming up the St. warming up with the St. Louis Blues when goaltenders needed a a maintenance day. Yeah, for the last three seasons, he has served as emergency backup goalie in St. Louis, which means he attends games at the Enterprise Center. Goalie pads in case injury requires him to suit up. He's occasionally practiced with the Blues when the goalies have needed maintenance days. He actually went to high school for CBC High School. He actually went to CBC High School in St. Louis. Uh, Two years of junior hockey in Canada. Played at Niagara University. Played for the AAA Blues. Al McGinnis was one of his coaches. I mean, guy's been around hockey all his life, so good for him. uh, Speaking of the Blues, the other night, uh, Bedard managed to pull off the lacrosse style, a.k.a. Michigan goal against uh, Bennington. Um, And we all pray for Bedard's safety uh, and 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 hope that no uh, water bottles get flung his way. Was there no retaliation? Wow. Apparently, he wasn't the only one to do it. He's not the only one to do it recently. Apparently, Zegris did it uh, recently as well. I thought I saw something like that. Maybe it was old story, and they just kind of pinned them together. They probably pinned them together. Okay. And that, hockey fans, is where we leave you. Don't forget World Juniors is starting in the day after Christmas. Don't forget the uh, Professional Women's Hockey League kicks off on January 1st. I believe there's also something called a Winter Classic that day uh, between Vegas and Seattle. Um, we'll be back in a few days. 31 um, versus 32. 31 versus 32. The original 32 are complete. <laughs> Congratulations, Joey. <laughs> Season's greetings. Congratulations to Cassie and Joey and even Bobby Lou. Uh, We'll be back and And look forward to seeing your comments uh, on the show. Take care.